Welcome to Elevated, where technology and leadership come together to advance the art and science of the project professional. Through tailored professional learning, we provide executive and professional education experiences to shape curious, future-ready leaders through customized programs. In this podcast, we will be discussing industry trends, product innovation, agility, and technologies that have the potential to shape markets. The topics we cover will be closely aligned with the custom courses offered at the CTME, Caltech Center for Technology and Management Education. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time zone you're joining us from. Uh, my name is Rick Hefner. I'm the executive director for the Caltech Center for Technology and Management Education. And on behalf of Caltech, let me welcome you to today's presentation of Elevated. As some of you may know, Elevated is a monthly series that produced by Caltech to basically talk with professionals about some of the topics important to us in our professional life. We'll deal with project management, product development, systems engineering, and, and other technology-related topics as we go. So while you're getting settled in, getting ready for our exciting talk today, please introduce yourself in the chat window. Let us know where you're calling in from. It's always great to hear where everybody's there. So today we have a very exciting topic. Um, we're going to be talking about what does it take to be a great project manager? I'll serve as the moderator, and we have with us three outstanding um, instructors from the Caltech Center for Technology and, and Management Education Program, all of us in our advanced project management. So uh, we'll start out this morning with Tim Boyd. Tim Boyd has a background in systems engineering, project management, organizational leadership development. He's been involved in a number of different ventures and, and leadership, teaches a variety of project management leadership programs here at Caltech. And uh, Tim is a, a working professional. He's currently a deputy program manager at Northrop Grumman. And there he's facilitating business and technical execution on a number of different large-scale aerospace programs. So a lot of project management experience, like you'll see in our uh, other instructors as well. And with that, let me turn over the, the stage for Tim for some opening remarks. All right. Thank you so much, Rick. Uh, and welcome to everybody from uh, around the U.S. and maybe even around the world. Uh, we appreciate you spending time with us on a Tuesday morning. It is very cold and rainy here in Southern California, which is unlikely. Hopefully the weather is quite beautiful uh, where you are as well. But today is going to be uh, really focused, as Rick mentioned, on project management in general, kind of managing as a whole. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the concept of a project manager. What does a project manager really look like to you? You as individuals, the project management function will look very differently depending on the type of program, type of hats you like to wear, how big your team is, etc. If you're a team of three, you'll probably look like this person here in, in this picture, right? where they're developing documents, writing emails, developing, you know, specs or ICDs or, you know, whatever have you. Also managing all kinds of other things with your fourth hand, you know, petting the dog and taking care of everything else, family oriented, talking on the phone at the same time. And so sometimes we feel as if we need to have multiple arms to be able to do so many different things in order for us to be successful. But generally speaking, the project management is about the balance you find when it comes to executing uh, particular programs and so forth. It really does involve a variety of different aspects, including inspiring other folks, motivating individuals who are gonna be motivated by very different things. You have to do a lot of coordination as well. 
as you can imagine. Whether your team is five people or your team is 100 people, there's still a lot of coordination and herding of the team that needs to happen in order to get some things done. Not everyone is going to be a driver on the bus uh, that you may be driving, but we definitely need people in every single seat on that bus because we're all going in the same direction. And as a project manager, you're effectively responsible for driving the bus and at least directing the bus to go in a specific direction. And it takes every single person uh, on your team to make that happen. So you, as a project manager, you're going to really require a lot of activity, a lot of wearing multiple hats, and a lot of coordination to really achieve this common core vision or this common objective through things like innovation, looking outside the box and thinking outside the box, trying to do things differently. Because you can imagine from project to project, everything that you've done on a previous project may not necessarily work on the current project. And that could be due to a variety of reasons. It could be due to the fact that you have a very different team who responds and reacts differently to being tasked, or they have different skill sets. Or maybe even the project that you're working on now um, is, is technically different, or it has a different outcome, or different activity that you're developing uh, and delivering to your customers. Obviously, risk optimization is a big proponent uh, or a big component of project management. Looking ahead and kind of having that systems thinking perspective, the big picture view about what you can actually do in terms of real life execution and what really is the biggest risks that you have uh, coming down the pipe. Because the biggest risks that we have are kind of the unknown aspects, but it's up to us to be able to evaluate what the unknown items are. I once did a panel a couple of years ago with John Ehrenberg, who was the chief engineer of the James Webb Space Telescope. And we were talking to a bunch of new next generation scientists, engineers, uh, from UCLA. And someone asked him, you know, what keeps you up at night? And this is well before James Webb had actually launched into space. And he said, you know, it's not the technical design. It's not the mission. It's not anything else about the system because we've done everything we possibly can. And we believe that there are no, there are not going to be any technical issues or challenges with the mechanical design or the actual physical component of the system. He said what keeps him up at night is, were we smart enough to sit around the room and think through conceptually the unknown unknowns, the things that we don't even have an idea of what they are, but were we smart enough collectively to input our input or our thoughts into the pool of shared meeting and collectively come up with those ideas and really shine some light on the unknown unknowns to really identify uh, backups or fail-safes for those types of situations. And so far, they've done a really great job based on the progress and the success of the James Webb Space Telescope. The other aspect is taking advantage of uh, multiple opportunities. As, as a project manager, you're gonna have many opportunities for collaboration, for execution, for efficient driving of the team. So you have to look at the opportunity space that you have in front of you and really think about how you're gonna move forward effectively. And then just generally, again, whether your team is five people or 100 people, there's going to be dynamics uh, within the organization and everything is going to be uh, moving very quickly and potentially at a very rapid pace. I've worked on teams very small, but now I work on teams that are uh, on the order of about 100 people. And uh, again, the dynamics of that organization isn't different. It just scales to the level of people in that organization. So you have more, more dynamics to, to work with uh, and to uh, potentially manage through. This is a really good pyramid plot here. Uh, it's the key dimensions of entrepreneurial leadership from Purple Crest. They actually just kind of go through some of the key foundational elements, which I really like to talk to in, in general. But using this really as a reference, I think the most fundamental core piece that you can do as a project manager is really to get to know who you are, how you like to execute, and what really drives you. 
And I think knowing yourself is the kind of the core pinnacle and the foundation of what you as a project manager need to understand. Obviously, focusing on the who uh, before the what, who are you doing this for? Who's on your team? Who's part of that aspect? And then obviously looking forward to the future vision. You can't operate or execute a project in my mind without really understanding where you're going or where you want to go. So having a set of clear, setting a clear vision is really critical for you to be able to execute towards that goal effectively. And of course, the fundamental skills of a project manager, great communication, adaptability, being able to continuously learn uh, and really adapt for a continuous improvement. I think that's really critical because you're going to be thrown so many different paths to follow and it's up to you to decide hey, do we want to go down the same path we did last time or can we take a detour because we've learned something new? And then just generally creating a very conducive atmosphere to growth, allowing people to create these high-performing teams and also psychologically safe environments for people to thrive uh, on your team and in your organization. I always like to talk about project management and how it requires a balance, right? We mentioned a little bit about knowing yourself or timinoske in Latin. You have to really know who you are before you can really invite other people to follow you. You know, if you ever had a leader or a manager you worked with who kind of laid everything out on the table, it's really important for them to uh, kind of have that, that rapport, that camaraderie, that connection with you as a person in order for you to be able to really want to follow that person. It's hard when someone comes in cold and you don't have a, an established relationship with that person for you to really, you have to wait a few, a few weeks or a few months before you really can understand that, hey, this is someone I can actually, I really want to follow. So basically being connected, but knowing who you are deep down is really going to be important for you to execute. Something I love to say is that passion and hope is not a good long-term strategy. It has to come with a different balance of many things, right? Now, I'm not to say that you can be passionate. I think passion is a critical table stakes aspect, but you have to be passionate to get things done. But you also have to deliver stable results and execute and show progress and not just expect and hope that some things are going to get better down the road. Project management is it's not easy in most cases. It's a really great opportunity for you to learn. It's complex, which is going to be potentially require some additional long hats, long hours, and multiple hats uh, from time to time. If you like being challenged, project management is definitely the place for you because you're going to be challenged every single day uh, with very different challenges that are going to come your way, and you're going to have to gain that experience in multiple areas in order to effectively navigate those challenges that arise on the daily basis. And then I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've learned from project management coming from the technical ranks in the early stages of my career where you become the technical expert and you don't really need other people's help to execute. When you step up to the project management area where you're coordinating and executing at a higher level overall projects, you really do need a team to help you realize your goals and your objectives and meet the needs of the organization at that point. And so once you do that, it's a, an opportunity for you to get that support from folks, but you also have to be willing to give something back to other people as well. Kind of you scratch my back, you scratch yours or the concept of reciprocity. Employees will expect uh, career opportunities and challenging work in, in conjunction with uh, them working hard for you. So you have to always find that balance when it comes to uh, working directly with the team. So overall, project management really does require a balance internally as well as externally. So knowing yourself and understanding how things actually can be executed, but also making sure that you now are responsible for a team or an organization. And so you can't just only focus on yourself. It's almost like raising a family or raising uh, other folks around you and really building everyone up at the same time uh, as you are. So one of the things that I find, I've always found interesting, and one of the classes that I teach, Influencing Without Authority, 
It's really this concept of how can you influence people maybe in a, not a direct line way, or you have peers or sister organizations that are doing work that are, is impacting you, but you don't really have direct authority over that organization. And so if things are slipping or modifying or changing, and it's starting to affect your project, how can you best influence those people or those organizations in order to be more effective uh, in the long run? Now, there's accountability and all kinds of other factors, but in one of the classes I teach, we talk about this concept of influence, and there's multiple threads that kind of wrapped around this thrust of influence that you can actually influence people in very different ways. Think about your specific team that you work on right now. You have very different people, very different dynamics and personalities, and those folks will probably respond to influence in different ways. Some people truly just respond to being influenced from the hierarchical system, where a person in authority has to be has to drive those folks. Sometimes people are great engineers and great-minded problem solvers, and they love to think about problems and concepts in terms of problem-solving uh, frameworks. So you can work through different things like the, the Schubert cycle or the DMAIC or the five whys, whatever frameworks people relate to, you can influence people by solving problems using problem solving methods. There's always communication that we always can communicate with folks. Some people love to communicate through verbal, through written, through visual, through subconscious clues, etc. So very different ways and people will respond very differently. So that has to be an adaptable skill. You as a project manager are going to have to collect tailor over time for your team. And the last piece, as our technical programs and projects uh, become seemingly more and more complex year after year, day after day, there's going to be a significant boom in the cooperation and collaboration that we're going to have to require for all members of our teams and organizations, and even those that are somewhat uh, dotted line to ours as well, because everything is starting to affect our projects today. And so the cooperation and collaboration aspect is really going to be a huge component of of our ability to influence others as well. So these four threads, they're consistently intertwined with each other and they're not necessarily, while they're still independent, when they come together, they build this powerful tool, a powerful toolbox, if you will, for us to be able to create this incredible presence of influence where we can really drive and really make things happen within our teams and within our organizations. So lots of these topics are available in multiple courses that we have as part of the advanced project management. I teach a class on entrepreneurial leadership, things like that as well, uh, influencing that authority, organizational leadership. But by all means, uh, project management is here and it's here to stay. And it's a really critical aspect of the future of execution. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tim. So uh, we're hearing today about some different perspectives from some of the Caltech instructors on what it takes to be a great project manager. And I hope as, as you're listening, you're thinking about the skill sets that you currently possess, the experience that you have, and thinking about how you're being viewed in the workplace as a project manager. Do people see you as a competent project manager, a good project manager, or a great project manager? As we know, people that are viewed as great project managers have a lot of choices in terms of the sort of things that they get assigned to, and you can align your, your interests more with uh, your work-life balance considerations and, and with just your general interests in your career. So we're hearing some different perspectives. Thank you, Tim, for uh, your thoughts. And uh, now we'll hear from uh, David Shostak. David Shostak is another one of the instructors in the Caltech CTME Advanced Project Management Program. David has a wide variety of experiences in advanced technology, marketing, business development, and a variety of different engineering programs, and uh, supported a lot of people in engineering applications and, and other areas as well. So, David, let me turn it over to you. 
Good day, everyone. Hope everyone's doing well today, staying dry or whatever, or sunny or whatever. Here is some knowledge to get you from fair to being a superior program manager. But the first thing I want to talk about is being a communicator, because this is what you need to know. You need to say the right things in the right way, in the right place, at the right time. People sure communicate in funny ways. We rely on emails and voicemails too much. I believe more in go see that person, get up out of your chair and go talk to them. Or in today's world, you could use Zoom, okay, instead of talking to them one-on-one. So I want to talk mainly, I'm starting off about the essentials of being a great communicator. And as you can see on this chart here, I also listened, well, listed things that you need as skills to be a good project manager, whether it's vocal variety, gestures, whatever. And I teach a course in critical communications. So that's one of the things is first thing about communication is business communication, the root of virtually all success, whether it's marketing, sales, management, leadership. These are all things you're going to need to control and work with and understand, you know, receiving all types of stakeholder information. But one of the first things I also did want to say is know yourself. One of the key things you need to know is what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How are you going to take your weaknesses and turn them into strengths? How do you feel about yourself? Sit down and have a long talk with yourself, because that's what I've done many times. What am I doing well? What I could do better? And always trying to think about what can I be? But remember, to be an effective project manager, you need to have superior, if not good, communication skills. So that's the main thing about knowing yourself. The other thing is you got to know how to control your communication. Who should get it and when? So control it. Remember, you need to manage your communication in a process that's entirely timely and appropriate It's a collection of many things. You have your complete management plan. You have your project documents. I mean, I can list a whole bunch of them, you know, whether it's status reports or so forth and so on. And so distribution, storage, retrieval, how are you going to manage that? You need to know how to manage your communication because you want it to be done properly and get to the right place at the right time. As I said, what to manage? whether it's status reports, change logs, action item reports, lessons learned, you know, register, what do you call it? Your your lessons learned register, quality reports, so forth and so on. The next thing is you need to know about is barriers to oral communication. As a leader, you're going to need to use how to control, how to communicate with barriers. Because people get angry, dealing with emotion, dealing with people who present obstacles to you, dealing with stress. Project manager, you are stressful, okay? So how about ineffective listening? There's also when you talk, I kind of call it noise in the transmission, and then there's also noise in the, what do you call it? In the receiving end, your ears, okay? You got two ears and one mouth, so you got to listen a lot. What we have next is 
dealing with people and going from fair to superior. So let me talk about organize, manage, and lead people. You know it's really hard dealing with people. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do. I have a saying about that, and it's kind of a humorous saying. You think putting a person on the planet Mars is going to be hard. I say try relationships. That's even harder. Dealing with people is going to be one of the hardest things you ever did. Why? Because each one of us is hardwired differently. And we see the world differently, especially as a project manager. How are you going to deal with that? So dealing with people is a bit hard. Now I kind of say, what are the fundamentals? What are some of the things you need? You need to be a role integrator. You need to be a speaker and communicator. You need to lead. You're the leader of people and teams. So you need to know that. The next thing is, you know, basically as a project manager, what are we? We're a team facilitator. We want people to move along to get to the end of the project, be successful, whatever. You need to make decisions. You're a decision producer and a decision maker. Who's allowed to make a decision? Who's not allowed to make a decision? These are all things, some of the things you need to do. What about team building? What do you do for team building? You got to think about it. You're the one to do that. I used to bring a plate of fruit in, you know, Wednesdays and Fridays at three o'clock. And people loved that because you know what it did about bringing in a plate of fruit? At the end of the practice, they said, Oh, it showed you cared. Bagels, donuts, whatever, it works. Remember, you're the team champion. As the project, you are the champion of the team. You represent the team. What about meet the needs of the team? What is it that your team needs? You got to help them all along. Maybe you got to take on some responsibilities they can't or don't want to. Now, also, you got to support overcoming the obstacles because you're gonna find obstacles from your customers, from your bosses, from the team itself. Now, one of the other things I say you need to be is an honest broker. What I mean by that is you take no sides, okay, in a dispute or argument, because you're working for what's the best for the project. I used to get hardware people say to me, you know, those software people aren't doing so good. And the software people would say, hardware people aren't doing so good. But you get them together, and it's not that I'm representing one or the other, and then they work it out. And it's kind of funny, the hardware people would say, oh, software, you're doing that? Oh, so then I don't have to do this. So got them together. But also, I represent the project. I don't represent any one person or any side. you got to do what's best for the project. The next thing I want to talk about, the next slide, is things to consider. You know, the thing here is, here's an acronym I put together on leadership. I took it and said, well, got to have long-term vision. you got to be excellent. you got to be an advanced planner discipline. And you could see you would have a really good monopoly, um, what do you call it, word if you could put it all together. Here's an acronym. Also, the other thing I said, see, a little paranoia is good. I find it's good because it makes you push yourself in a direction that you want to go into. What makes a project manager succeed in the real world? 
there are things, a couple of things that I once wrote down and said, this is what you got to consider. Are you adaptive in the situation? Can you, I like to use a military term, adapt, improvise, and overcome. Because every day you're going to be facing situations that are hard. But how are you going to get over it? You got to think out, as we say, out of the box, okay, sometimes to get through it. Are you organized and structured? Working with some form of order will make you more efficient. You need to be structured, organized, disciplined in what you're doing. I found what works for me is code of color, excuse me, color coding my files and stuff. So if I look on my desk, I could see a red file. That's for project A. If I see a blue file, that's for project B. So I learned to, how do you say, organize myself and get reference materials and books. Also to the team, to the people, can you state your vision on where you aim to go or to be? Describe the project mission and what makes the team different? What is it that you can do? Can you deal with people well? Now, there are things to consider. We have all the stuff, how to make a better schedule, how to make a better project plan, but how to deal better with people, the soft skills, is the real issue that you really need to know. Dealing with people. Remember, as I said, every person is different and how you're going to deal with them. Because I've dealt with, I once had a team of, say, 55, 100 people. Some are introverts, some are extroverts, okay? You got to learn to know each one of them. Okay, some like to talk, some don't say a word, okay? So you need to know how to deal with that. Dealing with people is probably one of the most important things you do. One of the things I learned from some really, the people that basically, how do you say, invented aerospace back in the 50s and 60s, I got to work with them, is one of them once said to me, can you bury your ego? Good project managers or superior project managers do that. Remember, the project is a team. Show your team your humility. Okay, bury that ego. Okay, and just work to make it a better team. Are you a good strategist and tactician? Do you think creatively? Do you need to develop ways to get things done that are beyond your normal methods? As we all say, we say that's thinking out of the box. I believe that there are many things to do. Let me kind of give you some of the last things. What distinguishes, in my mind, a great superior project manager from one? The first thing is believing failure is not an option. Never, ever, ever give up because the answer is right around the corner. I found sometimes when I do things, all of a sudden something pops up that I wouldn't expect, and it did. The next thing is the ability to create solutions with no guidance or budget. You're not always going to get guidance or have the amount of money, but you got to create solutions out of the box and you got to figure that out. The ability to handle ambiguity, okay? Not everything is clear, black and white, whatever. You're going to get a bunch of ambiguity, deal with the unknowns and still succeed. An insaneable desire and uncanny ability to learn and get better. How are you going to do that? You're always, always trying to get better, better, better. The ability to analyze. Well, I'm an analytical type guy since I was an engineer and stuff. And so, you know, using analytics and thinking through things through and stuff like that. 
patience and stability. Then the last thing is determination and persistence. Always trying to get through, to get, you know, stay on course. Don't let people get you down. You know, you just got to kind of be determined and persistent and let things go. So the last thing I kind of want to talk to you about is I have a saying about being a project manager or what do you call it? Or a manager or anything, because not everybody here might be a project manager. But I say it's about this. If you're a manager or a leader or something like that, it's not easy. It's a noble profession, but it's not easy. But it's worth it. But remember, something worth it doesn't come easy. So good luck to everyone. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, David. So again, we'll be leaving some time at the end of our remarks here for question and answer. So if you have questions, please go ahead and submit them uh, in the chat window. Um, and we'll be picking it up with the panelists after we hear from our third panelist. And uh, that third panelist is Nathan Cruz. Nate Cruz has over 35 years of experience as a project manager. Basically, he's worked in a variety of different environments. And Nate teaches our Agile Project Management program for us. And so uh, he'll, he'll say a little bit about his thoughts and what makes a great project manager. Nate? Okay. Hello, everybody. How are you doing today? This is Nate Cruz. Some of you have been involved with Elevate, may have seen me in another role. But today I get to talk about amazing project managers. Well, so far, coming third here, all the major points been made by two of my amazing partners here and all the thoughts that I've, I've seen here. I said, well, I, I've heard that and used that before. So some amazing food for thought have been given to you. So I decided to come from a different direction. A project manager clearly has to have skills from the standpoint of managing and communication. I want to talk about leadership. And the way I define this, when I talk about management, management is doing things right, Leadership is doing the right things. And the first area when I talk about these amazing project managers and the leadership sides that they have to them is they work in a VUCA environment. That's an environment that with constant volatility, lots of uncertainty and ambiguity exist in the environment. And they seamlessly able to transition and adjust and navigate and influence their teams to the outcomes that are needed to get the best outcomes for the customers. As we go th through here and look at the small diagram I'll have over here, which is a Kinefrin curve, talks about different levels of states of chaos here. One is we can have small projects that have small teams with two or three people, and we have straightforward activities to get things done, and we just need to organize and get things arranged and give people assignments and get things done, and sometimes you can do most of the work yourself. You have complicated, which a lot of the aerospace environments work in, and uh, you have the complications of many partners. You have many different solutions coming together for complex embedded products such as drones and planes and nuclear submarines. And then you have those products that are fall into the area that I work in in agility that is about uh, complex. So as we go in complex, there's a significant amount of uncertainty. It's about going around and you start out with part of the solution just enough to get started. And from there, you go forward and evolve the solution by working with the customer, dancing with the evolution of the outputs, looking at what has been delivered and adapt and adjust to what we see and allowing the customer to invoke change. These days, customers 
not only want to have results, they better, faster, cheaper, but they also want to have the ability as things change in the marketplace, they can change the dynamics and parameters of projects. Now, those of you who are our project managers and those on the panel here, that's an interesting topic, really. And it changes the bullseye constantly. And that's not a situation that you want to have, but it's what the customer wants. If a great leaders and amazing leaders are customer-centric and they'll deal with the complexity, the ambiguity, uncertainty, and figure out things through the amazing skill sets of the knowledge workers that they're working on. So if we could move on to the next slide here, we'll keep this discussion going, please. So well, how do we do this? We do it through four C's. I would say that these leaders have to be learning leaders where they are learning the current situations constantly and adjusting and also learning new ways to influence the teams underneath them, whether they're programs, whether they're entire organizations and corporations, they are constantly learning how to deal with things. Now, what are they dealing with? Well, one way of uh, encapsulating that in, it's what I call the four C's. One is complexity, understanding the complexity of what the client needs. And a lot of this is being customer-centric. This is about sitting down with a customer and working with them in their customer journey on where they need to go to at the end, working with them either in a sequential process of doing waterfall or working with them in an iterative fashion where we're evolving the solution as we go forward and deal with the complications after we go forth. Then the next CD we want to deal with here is the area of confidence. You have to be confident in what you're delivering. Confidence is amazing elixir to those you're trying to lead, to show that you understand what's going on and you believe. If you come across as being a believe and stable leader and you are solid in the way you execute on this, people will follow you. Now, this confidence sometimes is tough to do when there's a lot of uncertainty or a lot of unrest or your project isn't going well. I think we've all seen situations where the project isn't going well, but yet you still have to steady the ship to keep things going. You have to have the ability to constantly give that persona or that front face to the organization that you understand how to get us through the storm and into the calm seas. The third C is about here is, is compassion. To be compassionate about it shows that you believe it, not only mentally, but emotionally you are engaged in what we're trying to do here and try to get things done here so that the client understands uh, all the people who are working with you here, understands that you believe in it and you're in it to win it, to work with it together with them. And the fourth thing is courage. And particularly when you start talking about an area of where things are changing a bit, having the courage to try things that you are not comfortable with. And amazing leaders do that. They step out in the areas where they have not had experience before. They quit studies and they bring in the right people to do things and empower them to go forth and on their behalf, make the right decision. So these four C's are areas that as a leader, we have to shape and negotiate and work with people to get the right outcomes for our customers. So Because we clearly are environments where we are being extremely customer centric. Next, we want to go into the next slide here talking about a way of doing this. Now, one of the things we want to have this leadership through learning, the end goal is we don't want to have individuals. Well, we try to avoid to have situations where people are do what they're told to do all the time. That That's very limiting. And in strange situations, people sit around there and confuse and in shock and in gear in the headlights and don't know what to do. What we really want to have is resilient teams that can self-organize and to some degree figure out solutions themselves. But we can't get there by ourselves. As leaders, we have to go through this process of developing and people who are part of these self-organized teams here by teaching them through the motivating factors to help them to be the kind of teams that we want to have here. 
So these resilient teams here that you want to have out here, not only know their jobs, they know the jobs of the people they work with, they know the outcomes that are expected of the customer and the subsystems and the systems above them, and they know all the things that are required to get things done. These are chess players, not just move tactical players along the way. And as we go here and look at the possible ways of these leaders influencing by certain factors, at the core, we could motivate people by pay and by rank. And uh, if you're a reader of Dan Pink, he said that goes only so far. What we try to do is put our people in positions where there is purpose. They understand what's going on. They see the value proposition and they, they can deliver on, on the way. And as we go along and do their job, they're able to invoke autonomy. where they are not told by the project manager, this is the way I want you to do it. But the project manager gives them some boundaries and some guardrails and say, look, use that brilliant mind of yours to come up with a solution on how to deliver this here for the customer. And let's see and talk about it. That means that shows confidence in the leader that I believe in you. I trust you. I think you are amazing here. And I don't want to tell you what to do. That would be counterproductive. I want to let you to do and figure out yourselves here. This shows the confidence that all uh, people want to do, regardless of where they are in the organization. And then there's co-intelligence. That's partnering all, along the way. That's where we use the intelligence of many different teams cross-functionally to get things done by bringing them the amazing individual skill sets together, bonding them together as an essential motivating core factor as we go along. Now, as to get things done, we have to provide directions as project managers. Some of those things is through the power dynamics. Obviously, in the position, you've been given the authority to be in control of the project and give people direction how to get things done. But you don't always have to do that constantly to get things done. You can motivate people. You can give them challenges. You could ask what their thoughts are. You can get their opinions and collectively, after getting their opinions, then you make a collective decision here. So you don't always have to lead from being in front. Sometimes you can lead amongst the members as we go forward here. And using collaboration. Collaboration here has been an amazing factor, particularly when I look at it from an agility standpoint. A lot of great things are done through collaborations where people work together. And when you team of three, one plus one plus one is significantly more valuable than three. So we use these factors here. As we collaborate, collaborate and connect, we also need to embrace conflict. In some ways, people look at conflict and say, yeah, that's, a, that, that's not such a good, that's a good thing I want to avoid. But sometimes conflict forces us to challenge ideas and put pressure in. And pressure creates diamonds, folks. And in there, we come out with better solutions. And by working these, this internal circle of motivators, and the outer circle of these resilient factors of drivers here, we come up with these resilient teams that we put out in the marketplace. And yes, I give them guardrails and I give them the general direction of where we want to go, but I don't have to tell them exactly what to do. That frees me up to be amazing leaders in other things and focus on other areas such as talking to the clients and think about new opportunities. So growing these resilient teams here, whether we're talking waterfall or whether we're talking agile, really gives us great team members here that we can grow from and ride and get the amazing results that the customers are looking for. Now, this is all based off the thought uh, patterns on leadership that we heard initially in our first January session from Diana Larson here uh, talking about leadership without blame. So now we want to transition to another area of leadership here, uh, which we call servant leadership, which we'll talk about on the next slide. Now, this is a topic that we bring up and talk about quite extensively in our class here talking about uh, agile project management. Well, servant leader is something that we say are scrum masters, which is facilitated leaders, and also the team members need, uh, team members need to have here for the team to thrive 
and to deliver amazing results to the customer. And servant leadership is first about serving others. It's about looking at the team as a value chain. And when we have a weak member of the team, that means that the entire chain is weak. So we service those who need to have help when they need it, not because it's part of our performance evaluation, it's because it's the right thing to do and it makes us all stronger and better at the end. Now, how do we do this? First of all, we go through a set of what are prescribed our 10 steps to get there. One is about listening. And we're listening with our ears. We're sitting around and listening to the conversation here, osmotic conversations that are going around you, listening what's written. We also are listening with our eyes. What's going on? Are people talking when it, that shouldn't be talking or people that should be collaborating, not collaborating? Is discussion and topics the right things for the right time? Also, as we go through here, we look at the topic of empathy. Empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of another and cognitively thinking through and seeing how would you feel in those circumstances and use that to augment and tailor the message that you sent back. The third one may sound kind of interesting here, but healing. As we have situations where conflict and all the changes that are going on, sometimes feelings and personalities get hurt. And going in and recognizing that and bring that one person to the side or two people that you see are in heavy conflict and not really in a position to work together and heal it. Ask them the best way for them to resolve these problems. Because what we want to have is conflict, sometimes even tough conflict, but afterwards that we can release it and still work together as great team members. We want to be awareness, awareness in many different areas. The client about their skill sets and what they need. Awareness about how we go through and deliver the functionality. Awareness about the budget, awareness about the risk, all the great things that my two partners here have talked about. We all need to conceptualize things, what is a structured, a sequential process of coming up with the master plan and waterfall, or how do we can think iteratively and build things with many different options and paths to proceed. Foresight to say, hmm, I've seen this situation before and it has some situations that that troubled me. Let's have a discussion in that. So you, you had the wisdom and experience of saying, hmm, I've seen these situations before. We may want to try something differently and convincing the team of doing that. Back to some of the points that Tim was talking about. Persuasion is about going through and influencing people without authority. And this is about going through and having people do something that they normally wouldn't do just because they're willing to listen to you and you've convinced them that it's the right thing to do. Then there's stewardship. This, as, as an amazing leader, project manager, you always have to be a great steward of all the resources here. The people that you have for you are not there just to deliver results. You are to grow them and make them better assets for the organization to feed into the learning organizations. You are committed to the growth of people. Sometimes as a leader on, the, on your project, as the project manager, sometimes you have to be a mentor them, to them individually and share some of your experiences along the way. And one of the late, uh, last great things you want to talk about here that we talk about in our class here is building communities. You want to get to the point where your organization is so mature that some of the things that you're driving and trying to influence has now imparted out to the organization and they are doing that to themselves. And then you can step back and possibly take on more responsibility. And that's what we do with amazing leaders. We elevate them to more higher positions of authority. With that said, I would like to end, end my part of the conversation and thank you here. I teach at the Agile Project Management course and it, that happens here uh, two to three times a year. In addition to that, we have other on-demand courses talking about the skill sets around agile project management and, and the techniques associated with that. So thank you very much uh, for your time here. And uh, I really relish the time here to be with my three partners here at Caltech here and with Rick to have this great conversation. Take care. Thank you so much, Nate.
I want to invite all of our panelists now to come back to the stage here, and we have a couple minutes for questions. If you have any questions, you're, you're looking at a combined experience of probably 120 years here in project management. So please, if you have any questions, go ahead and put them in the chat window. As we're waiting for folks to add their questions, let me throw out a question. So we've talked a little bit about training. All three of you are instructors. From your perspective, what training courses would be most useful in going from good to great? What's really essential? We'll take them in the order here uh, of our panelists. Tim, thoughts? Yeah, so uh, I think if you're going to start transitioning from you know, a fundamental program manager or basic to more advanced, uh, you obviously have to understand the fundamental components of it. And so kind of the basic project management courses and where you kind of get that underlying understanding of the fundamental core concepts of what does it mean to manage a small project? And then how does it mean, what does it mean to then manage a little bit larger project? And what are the core tools you can use? What are the, cool the core techniques you can use? And all those fundamental chess pieces that you can actually have in your toolbox there. Um, then as you move from good to great, as Rick mentioned, it's all about the different tailoring styles, I think, if you will, on how to influence people, how to motivate people, how to execute more effectively, especially as you get more and more complex projects. So there's training courses such as managing complex projects or projects with competing priorities. There's different flavors of leadership style courses you can have. There's the project management, the advanced project management. There's, you know, influencer without authority. There's entrepreneurial leadership because all these different courses that are taught, they, they give you different pieces and help you reframe your applicability or your application of leadership and project management in slightly uh, different ways. Thanks, Tim. David, what are your thoughts? What training opportunities would you see as kind of most critical? Communication, communication, communication. We people need to be better communicators, especially project managers. You got to get your thoughts through clear, concise, efficiently to everyone, whether it's your family, whether it's your uh, people at work, business, your peers, bosses, whatever, how to communicate to them. Now, I teach a course on critical communication, storytelling. Storytelling is very important because most people like to hear stories and presentations. Your presentation skills will great. I guarantee you your presentation skills will be better. OK, I guarantee it because you will learn absolutely something about how to be presented how to present better, so forth and so on. So I am a big believer in communication. That's one of the things that would make you a much more superior person. Because if you get up in front of the bosses, the presidents, the whatever, and you can communicate to them in clear, succinct terms, they love you, they respect you, so forth and so on. So communicate. Great. I think that's a great observation. I think sometimes we think maybe great communicators are just born, but it is a skill that can be learned and developed and improved over time. Nate, what are your thoughts? What training opportunities would you suggest for people to improve their skills or, or even other opportunities? I think as we go forward here and look at the basic skills, getting that, that solid foundation and what project manager is and the skills necessary and getting the training and mentorship. But above that, a lot of soft skills. One is building relationships is amazing here. A lot of things that you have to do sometimes are beyond the scope of what you can do. And having those relationships with people that you can call up, and sometimes it's a favor. It's not because of any power lines, and, and you might be stuck in a situation, and they don't really have to do it, but because you have a spirit of reciprocity with them. You've helped them out, you helped them out, and they just do it 
seamlessly because it's the right thing to do with, with the organization. So any kind of classes that we have that talks about project management relationships with all stakeholders in your project is an amazing thing. On top of that, I emphasize one thing here is change. How do you deal with change and uncertainty here? The more and more as you become project managers, we have to make decisions, quick decisions, sometimes with a lot of missing information and have to be comfortable in making decisions with 60% of the information you have and understanding you may be wrong and you have to adjust to it. Sometimes it's better to make the wrong decision with 60% of information than the right information too late. So that along the way would be the two things that I would emphasize in any skill set that any courses that we have here to emphasize that. We talk about a lot of things in change in the agility and some of the project management courses and program and product courses that we have here. But I think that would be a good set of things for us to learn uh, to become these amazing project managers that we talk about. Thank you, Nate. And thank you all of our panelists for kind of sharing information. We'll bring up one more slide here. Um, If you are looking for ways to kind of improve your project management skills to move to that upper echelon, there are a variety of programs out there and I certainly encourage you in other ways. One thing, the programs we have here at Caltech in the Center for Technology Management Education is an advanced project management certificate program. It's a series of courses. You basically mix and match. You pick the courses that are areas. So if you'd like to know more about organizational change or you've had difficulty working with complex projects or uh, maybe you'd like to more learn more how to, to juggle multiple projects that you might be managing at a time. These are all on-demand courses, so they're pre-recorded. Uh, the lectures are there available. You do have interaction with the instructors throughout the entire course. Each of the courses takes about 16 hours. And if you complete five of them, we need uh, Caltech grants you an advanced project manager certificate. That's a a great thing to put on your resume. But more importantly than that, there's the skills that you're requiring. These programs are all qualified for PDU. So if you're a project management professional looking for ways to continue your certification, those are available too. So go to the website if you have more information. I want to thank my panelists again uh, for some great insights on project management. And I want to encourage you to to tune in next month where we'll have uh, another exciting topic about project management, product development, and systems engineering. Thanks, everybody, for your time, and I hope you have a great day.